everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Tell Me More podcast. So I hope you guys are all doing okay in this whole new world. We're all quarantined. We're all stuck at home. I hope you guys are enjoying podcasts and exploring new ones and not going too crazy and wanting to shoot yourself because you cannot leave the house like me. Um, I guess it's not that bad. I honestly haven't even found myself bored yet. I think it's just these kids, as much as I bitch about them, they actually keep me really busy. So uh, things are good. It's actually kind of fun to be home with them too. Oh, I don't know. Never mind. I shouldn't have said that. It's not really fun, but it's like there's good times and bad times. Like we had a really good day today. So I'm kind of in a, Ooh, I like my family mode, but tomorrow is back to like, I have to work. So we'll see how that goes. If I was recording this tomorrow, I'd probably be recording a completely different introduction. But anyways, so as some of you might have noticed by uh, my Instagram and stuff, I figured out how to do remote recording, which is awesome. I was really worried that the quality would suck if people didn't have good microphones. But it actually seems to work pretty well if somebody just has the old headphones like from their iPhone. There's a microphone on all of those and they actually record pretty decent sound. So I put a little uh, call out there to ask people, hey, anybody I had to cancel on, if you guys want to record with me, let's do it. And I didn't even think to reach out to the people that lived in a different province. Luckily for me, Chelsea reached out and said, hey, I don't know if you'd be interested, but do you want to have me on? And right away I was like, oh my God, yes. Like her story is so interesting. Uh, You guys are really going to like it. So what happened is Chelsea used to live in Calgary. She started off in Toronto, actually, and was living the corporate world, like climbing the corporate ladder. Her and her husband were like hard working office corporate people. They decided to change everything and move out of suburbia and that whole lifestyle and start a homestead type lifestyle on a farm. So she goes over that whole process and what kind of led to that decision and what it's been like for their family. So I thought it was a really cool conversation. I hope the quality isn't too bad for you guys. I know it does cut in and out a little bit and it's not the same as having a conversation with somebody in the same room as you because it kind of like when you start talking, it's hard to really, it just like it kind of cuts out. It's weird when two people talk at the same time. So unfortunately it's not the best quality, but I think it's pretty good. So if anybody has any comments or anything on that, I would love to hear them. Also, now that you guys are all sitting at home, if anybody wants to come on the podcast and have a conversation with me, I would love to do that. Um, Just reach out to me. We can have a conversation about the logistics behind it. It's super easy. All you need is a computer and a set of headphones, like the, like whatever ones that you would plug into your computer that have a little microphone thing on them as well. Um, Just reach out to me. I want to interview every single one of you listening. I honestly do. I'm not just saying that. Like, I love this so much. It's so fun. Anyways, listen to the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And again, leave comments, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. The more you guys do that, the more it pushes my podcast up so other people see it. So I just don't just have like my 20 friends (laughs) listening to it, which I love. I'm happy you guys are listening. Um, and I would just talk to you all day anyways, but you know, it'd be kind of cool if other people could hear it too. So anyways, I said, anyways, like how many times in this, I need to learn better introduction skills. (laughs) I was about to say it again. Okay. Um, listen to the episode and let me know what you think. Okay. Thanks guys. By the way, I totally forgot to mention that you guys should follow Chelsea's Instagram. So it's 27 acres. So it's the word 20 spelled out. T-W-E-N-T-Y, and then the number seven, 
Acres. Just check it out on Instagram. She posts pretty much her whole journey. They have so many cool pictures of what they're doing and all their projects on there. So if anybody's interested in homesteading or farming or that lifestyle at all, definitely check it out. So it's 27 acres. 20 is spelt out. T-W-E-N-T-Y, seven, the number, and acres, A-C-R-E-S. It should just show up. Plus, I'm going to tag her and everything that I post. So check it out. Thank you, everybody. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Tell Me More podcast. So today, we are recording remotely. I have, through the power of technology, been able to find a guest who lives all the way in Ontario. Thanks for joining me, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. This is uh, very neat. (laughs) We're like each sitting in our, I don't know, I'm in my office. Where are you? I'm in my bedroom, which is my office. Yes. Perfect. And we like kicked our children out, told our husbands, get these kids out of this house. We have some serious podcasting to do. Perfect excuse for a little break. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Chelsea lives in Ontario. So some of you might be wondering, how do you know Chelsea? So we met um, back in baby class. So if anybody listened to my episode with Jamie, you probably heard us mention her name a couple times. Um, We met in the same class. We had our kids at the same time and kind of like got to know each other around that time Uh, and then Chelsea left us (laughs) she moved back home to Ontario (laughs) we were like real I don't know did you find and maybe this is too much but I found that we were kind of like we just hit it off right away like I felt like I knew you forever like pretty much immediately yeah, you you did touch on this a little bit when you spoke with Jamie, but there was a big group of us in that prenatal class, and yeah. there was me, you, and Jamie who kind of just really connected right away, and we also lived yeah. very close together. So uh, we kind of created our own little mom group, support group yeah. outside of that. So uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, so good. Like I have so many good memories of just like playdates and going to the zoo and. It was so good. Even like without the kids, like we had that weekend away in Canmore, like when we like just got to know each other and it was so fun. Yeah, it it was one of those, uh, the more we got to know each other, the more it was, we were soulmates. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk originally how you guys got to Calgary in the first place, because you were both raised in Ontario, right? Yes, correct. So uh, my husband and I, we had just recently gotten married and he had an opportunity that would take him out to Calgary with his job. And I was lucky enough that my job was letting me work remotely uh, from Calgary, but still being based out of Toronto. Uh, And we decided, why not? A little bit of adventure would be good for us. Um, We were newly married and thought this would be a great way to start off our married life together. And so we took off to Calgary. And what were what industries were you guys working in at the time? Uh, So my husband's in automation and I was in advertising. Okay, so you were kind of climbing the corporate ladder back in Toronto, right? Oh, yeah, that was what my life was about. Yeah. So what what did you see your as your life? Like, what was your kind of goal? Oh, uh, to keep getting the next promotion. That was Yeah, next goal, make more money, uh, climb that corporate ladder, potentially be a, a VP and SVP, you know, get to the very top. That was that was my life goal at the time. <laughs> 
So when did that change? Did it change? So you have two kids. You had the first one like five and a half years ago, like back when I had Colton. We had our kids at the same time. Oh, yeah. We did everything, right? (laughs) We totally did. So how old is McKinley now? She's three. She turned three the end of November. Perfect. Okay. So you have kids pretty much the same age as me. So when when did your mindset change? Was it kind of right after Myla? Was it after McKinley? Was it before... It was after Myla. It was when I was coming to the end of my maternity leave and having to go back to work. Um, And uh, I loved my job in regards to the team that I worked with, the people I worked with, and what the job afforded me to do. But in terms of actual passion for advertising, that was never there. Um, And then living in Calgary so far away from family, I was going to have to leave my infant daughter with complete strangers. And it caused a lot of mayhem in in my emotional capacity. I was very nervous about leaving her. um, And then uh, the added layer of I'm leaving her for a job that I don't get fulfillment from. Um, Yeah. So I, I struggled with that, but we also knew we were going to have a second child. Um, and at the time we had the mentality that we needed my salary. It wasn't a okay. have, it was mandatory. We had to have my salary, um, which now five years later seems absurd and hilarious. Um, but yeah, at the time it was, we needed to have that money coming in. And was that because of just you guys had the bills that you needed it or you just built up this thing in your head that said we need to have X number of dollars in the bank account? Yeah, well, that was success, right? In my mind, success was uh, making the most amount of money you possibly could. And and Jesse's was the same. Um, Yeah, that was the defining success for us. Uh, As much money as you can. Yeah, so and then you have a child and and all of the cliches are true, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> that that they become your everything. That that's that's what's most yeah. important um, is their well being and uh, being there for your child, raising another socially responsible human being that's going to go out into the world and do good. Um, yeah, and it felt totally lopsided in my head to give her to someone else for the majority of her waking hours to teach that to her, um, yeah. uh, to be her predominant teacher really is what it came yeah. down to. Um, so yeah, it, when we were talking about moving back to Ontario after having two kids, um, it was largely motivated by wanting to be close to our family. Um, right. Jesse's parents were out here. My parents were out here. Our siblings were all out here. Um, We both grew up with having family support. And we, after having two kids, recognized how important that was. Um, But we didn't want to move back to Ontario and be doing exactly what we were doing in Calgary because that was feeling unfulfilled. Um, So at that point, it became, what what are we going to do? What changes? What are our priorities? What's most important? So what did, like, how did you guys decide? So what they, for those of you who don't know, they decided to buy a farm. (laughs) So what, how does that, (laughs) how does your, uh, how was that decision made? Uh, So (laughs) it was (laughs) 
kind of um, a fly by the seat of our pants. We knew, all we knew was that we, what we were currently doing was not fulfilling. Um, so working right. Monday to Friday, 12 hour days to spend a couple of hours with our small children before they went to bed for the evening. And then ourselves sitting in front of a television screen, uh, basically watching Netflix until it was time for us to go to sleep. Um, yeah wasn't the type of lifestyle we wanted. We didn't have enough challenge in our life. Um, and my husband actually had uh, been following the urban farmer, so Curtis Stone. Um, and we thought, hey, this is something we might actually be able to do. It's something that contributes positively to society. It's a way we can make or generate enough income to support our family why don't we try farming? Because what we're doing right now is not working. So what was the the original plan like to farm to sell like food to people or what? Like, I don't really know much about farming. No, that was the original. Intent. Pardon? But the original intent was to grow food for profit. So oh, okay. that was going to be in farmers market or consumers, um, sorry, community supported agriculture. So CSAs. Um, whether we were going to open a storefront, we didn't know that yet. We just knew we were going to explore growing food for profit. So how long did you guys toy with the idea before you actually jumped on it? Like, was it a month, six months, a year? How long had you been thinking about it before you actually like made the leap to go look for farming properties? Right. So we decided we were going to move back to Ontario or were toying with the idea when I was pregnant with my second. Um, so that would have been, what year is that? 2016? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so we knew we were going to move back to Ontario and then probably about six months of just relentless information gathering. So watching okay. YouTube videos, um, buying as many books as we could, um, literally consuming as much information as we could. Um, and we were just waiting for the green light from Jesse's company. Uh, he was his oh. company moving us back. And as soon as we got the go ahead, we started looking at properties. Um, and we ended up in Pool, <laughs> which by the way, okay, go ahead. I just Okay, so like before I called you, I got on the internet and I'm like Googling Pawnee Pool just yeah. to see what came up. Yeah. Have you watched that documentary of Tiger King? There's like a jungle cat world in Pawnee Pool. <laughs> no, I will have to look that up. Um, okay, so just last every movie about it though, too. Is there? <laughs> yes. So everybody on the internet the past couple of weeks or week, I guess, have been talking about this documentary called Tiger King. And just last night, we're like, okay, we got to see what this is all about. And it's essentially about this guy who's got this big farm with a whole bunch of uh, like big cats. Like I think he says he has 227 tigers or something on his property. And it's this whole docu-series about him. I only watched one episode, but it's just like a bunch of crazy cat people. It's just funny timing that the first thing that came up when I Googled Pontypool was this jungle cat world. I'm like, oh my God, there's more of these. There's like I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Have you guys been a little bit more intense than raising chickens? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you decide Pon Pontypool? How do you say that? Pontypool? So I have just recently been instructed by the locals that it is 
clear as day that I'm not from Pontypool because I pronounce the T. So I had been uh, pronouncing it Pontypool, but apparently yeah. drop it. It's Pontypool. <laughs> oh, okay. Good to know. Good yep, to yep. know. <laughs> when you come to visit, yes. <laughs> so we That's funny. up here. Um, we neither my husband or I had ever heard of um Pontypool. And we were from okay. Ontario. Um, we took a map and planted where both of our families were located. My husband's family is closer to Ottawa area, while my family is closer to Brampton and Huntsville. Um, and so we had this big circle, basically, that was this okay. our, our area where we can buy that will be close enough to our friends and family that we'll get to see them as frequently as we'd like to. Uh, and there happened to be this lovely little hobby farm. Um, the house was in shambles, but the property was immaculate and allowed for a plethora of different things that we could do. So again, moving, knowing that we wanted to do something in the realm of farming, but not exactly sure what that was going to look like. It was great having a property that was going to afford different options. Um, so Jesse actually flew out, took a red eye from Calgary to Ontario, got onto the property for a showing. Uh, I saw it via FaceTime and (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy. So, okay. So you guys moved, you abandoned us all. You started your hobby farm. Tell me about the move and the, the process with that. Like, so are you guys currently selling food or how, what's going on? No. So it was probably within the first 18 months that we lived here that uh, both my husband and I realized that um, farming for profit was not really a reality for us. Um, Okay. There were a couple of different reasons behind it. Um, One was how our profitability was in direct correlation to what Mother Nature threw at us. Um, Yeah. I'm a bit of a control freak and the fact <laughs> that I could not control the weather and the pests um, mm. was, and that that would have a direct impact on whether I could feed my family or not potentially, or sh- provide shelter for them. Uh, it made me really nervous. Um, right. And then so, there, go ahead. Is Jesse still working full time then? He is. So the intent when we moved out here was I was going to become a stay-at-home mom. Um, That was something that became a priority for us. So even for Jesse, he recognized that making top dollar was not as important as having one of us be home full-time for the kids. Um, Okay. To provide that support, to provide that environment for our children. Um, And it was his we were one of the lucky ones where his salary was able to cover our bills. Um, That's good. And we recognized how lucky we were to be in that position because there's many families that aren't. So we decided we would take advantage of that and have me stay. Um, And then the intent was to kind of use the first few years before both of our kids were in school full time to learn, to explore, to grow, to see if we could, find a way for me to generate income while still still being at home with the kids. That hasn't quite yeah. happened yet, but <laughs> we, have a ton, we, have, we have learned a lot along the way. I bet. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing now? Like, so what does a day-to-day on the farm look like? 
Uh, it's, it varies, honestly, depending <laughs> on what chore needs to be done. But um, we do raise chickens. Um, okay. In the spring and the summer, the gardens take up a, a ton of amount of time. Um, and then it's just general maintenance of, of right. we're on 27 acres. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's just general maintenance that comes with um, owning such a, a large property. Um, but I mean, the girls every day, they go and they feed the chickens. Um, they collect the eggs. They come back. Um and then we have little situations that pop up along the way. For example, our septic backed up last week, which was lovely. Uh, um, so uh, no. it got set to the side while we figured that out. And um, yeah, that's that's probably one of the the great things about living where we live is that you never know what the next day is going to bring. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So you did tell me um, that you had this plan to kind of make a farm and sell food and then it kind of morphed into homesteading. So I'm going to be honest, I had to Google what homesteading is. <laughs> um, so can you... I moved out here. I had no idea what homesteading was. Not a clue. Really? <laughs> so the general gist I got is that it's kind of just a lifestyle of self-sufficiency. So is that kind of what, what it is to you guys? Yeah, that was kind of um, what we realized very quickly moving out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so just to give people an idea, the closest grocery store is about a half hour away. Um, okay. So we're talking an hour round trip just to get groceries. Um, yeah. Our town has a pharmacy and a gas station and a post office, but... okay. Uh, pretty much it. Um, so literally, we are isolated out here. Um, and within the first 24 hours of living on this property, I came to the conclusion that I had led a very glamorous life with <laughs> very little challenges in it. Um, yeah. And uh, so this is this was kind of the realization that we had is so we don't really have very many life skills. Um, we gotcha. were dependent on uh, the current food chain. We were dependent for our water, for our food, for our electricity, all of that. Uh, we were 100% yeah. dependent. And if any of those channels went out, I didn't have a single life skill to back that up. No kidding. Oh my God. You're like making me really question myself right now. <laughs> well, it's Go on. <laughs> with this coronavirus coming out, yeah. um, I can't yeah. tell you how many times over the past three years since we've lived here that I have moments where it's like, why are we doing this? What am I doing? Yeah. Here? It would be way easier for me to just go buy a jar of pickles from the grocery store than it would yeah. be to make my own pickles. It would be way easier to just go buy an organic chicken than it is to raise yeah. one. Um, but uh, this current climate we're living in has yeah. just given me so much gratitude for um, what we've learned over the past three years. We are. Yeah, I can imagine in the same capacity as we were. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask like how you guys are surviving this whole COVID-19 thing, but I bet you like, has it really affected your life other than, you know, maybe Myla not going to school, but other than that, like, has it really affected much? 
Yeah, I see this is an area where um, I have extreme gratitude, but also uh, I feel a little bit guilty for how our life has been so minimally impacted by this when so many people are impacted so greatly. Um, Yeah. Our our lifestyle has not changed very much. I mean, I typically do a grocery shop for a month at a time because yeah. of how far away it is to go. It's not easy for me to just right. go to the grocery store. So, um, and then again, living in the middle of nowhere, I always make sh- like our pantries are stocked with beans and lentils and rice and pasta because you you don't know if you're going to be able to get out. Um, yeah. we, we grow a large portion of our food and preserve and jar it. Um, so that's par for the course. And then I'm home, I'm home with uh, my youngest anyways. So having Myla be back from school doesn't really change my day to day either. So, uh, homesteading has really helped us out. And, you know, um, with the chickens, I am a little, I've turned into a little bit of a crazy chicken lady. Every year I get a little bit of buyer's remorse. Um, every time I order my day old chickens, um, okay. I know it means that I'm homebound for at least eight weeks because, um, what I've learned is that raising chickens for meat is entirely different than raising chickens for, um, eggs. And oh. uh, yes, they have to be fed three times a day because they will eat themselves to death. Uh, other okay. yeah. So I, I get these buyer's remorse where it's, you know, should I be spending this kind of money on chickens or should I be investing in the property some other way? Um, I had just placed my order for chickens and then three days later we got hit with this we need to stay home uh, to try and stop the coronavirus. And I'm like, well, there goes yeah. the buyer's remorse because I yeah. know at the end of the eight weeks I raise these chickens, I will have 10 chickens that will feed my family for the year. Um, oh. So, yes. Yeah, so, so in that regards, um, the fact that I don't need to go to the grocery stores as frequently um, as maybe other people do. Uh, we're, we're just so lucky and, and have so much gratitude that our lifestyle has provided us the way it has. So when it comes to like, you know, you'll have 10 chickens at the end of the day, is it more like, fi- does it make financial sense to do that? Or are you doing it for the satisfaction you get? Or like, what is the, just walk me through that whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. So remember when I said those moments I had where I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, yeah. Definitely when you take into account your time, buying yeah. an organic free range chicken is way less costly than it is okay. to raise them. Um, that being said, I know everything about the chickens that we're eating. I know what they were fed. I know how they lived. Um, yeah. I, I I know everything uh, about them. Um, and so it is very satisfying to put a meal together for your family. That is, uh, I did this. I did all of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bet. Do you guys have to go through the whole killing them process and all that? So I'm not quite there yet. Um <laughs> I laugh a little bit whenever um, I talk about homesteading because there's still so much stuff that we should be doing to 
be truly classified, I think, as a homesteader. Um, okay. Like we, we, we don't have any animals aside from chickens, um, whereas a lot of homesteaders will have dairy cows and um, will grow their own pigs, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we're not even remotely close to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite there for the processing or butchering. Um, so we have a lovely company that's just down the road um, that we drop our chickens off and we pick them uh. up. Yeah, yeah. And they they separate the meat into all the different parts for you and stuff? Uh, they can. We just get them back as whole chickens. And then oh, I okay. do my own uh, chopping up on, on this end. Um, that okay. said, that this was part of the reason why we wanted to come out here as well, um, was that uh, I don't think that I had a true appreciation Every time I ate a meal that had meat in it, that something had to die in order for me to consume. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are a predominantly uh, plant-based diet family, but we... Are you? Yes. However, that being said, what we do consume that isn't plant-based, so eggs, cheese, yeah. meat, um, it mostly comes from either our farm or local farms people who are around okay. us that are doing similar things. Um, and I have to say, I feel so much better supporting another small f- farmer than I do going to a superstore um, and and supporting them. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely understand that. Especially now you have so much education and how it's all done. You probably have a lot different viewpoint of why you don't want to go to a superstore. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's even, it's lovely to see my children where... Uh, initially, the shock of the chicken being on the table that was just in the backyard. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, it was rough um, on yeah. all initially. And, and I still try to reconcile in my head um, how you spend so much time invested in these animals to keep them alive while they're alive and healthy to just send them to slaughter. It's... Uh, yeah. But it is, it's a respect thing. It it makes me um, appreciate uh, and waste less. We consume the whole chicken. Um, Good. Once the carcass is done, that goes in. We make a bone broth with it. That becomes our chicken stock. Uh, We literally... Every, every piece of it. And my girls get to see that kind of respect as well. This isn't just yeah. something that's been prepackaged and sits nicely on a shelf where you don't have to think about the fact that something died for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, for us to be able to eat, it, it, it literally, uh, you see the whole process. So you tend to want to waste less because. Yeah, of- I, I, I already feel like I don't waste at all. And I think I would be so much like, I don't know, you're pretty inspiring. This whole everything you're doing. I'm really proud of you. You guys are awesome. And you also make me feel like, fuck, I should probably shouldn't go to Superstore right after this. <laughs> well, Damn well, it. This is the other thing, because I don't ever want to come across as um, preachy or that I'm on some. You're not. No, we, we, we recognize that because of um, the privilege that we come from, we're able to execute our life the way we are. Um, it's not affordable to everyone. Um, and so uh, this is where we just feel so blessed on a basis that we get to live this close to nature, um, and have someone be at home with our small children full time. Uh, It's not a luxury that every family can afford. 
Um, so we are so lucky. So what are some of the uh, mistakes you guys have made along the way? Can oh, you think God. of any so specific ones? Okay. <laughs> um, so bleeding heart, me. Playing <laughs> <Our, laughs> hens that we had. Um, I wanted them to live their best life, be completely yeah. free range. And that's what I let them do. And we spent a whole summer where the chickens went wherever they wanted to go, whenever they felt like going there. And then our first October, we were here. I went out to lock them up for the night and they were gone. Feathers, where were they? Feathers everywhere. Uh, <gasps> oh, no. come in and cleared them out. Um, oh. so this was my first lesson in fences aren't necessarily there to keep chickens in. It's to also yeah. protect them. Um, so yeah. I learned there, uh, what we ended up doing is building a huge outdoor pen for them that is fenced in, um, so that they can still free range freely on grass and get all the bugs they want. Um, but they also won't get taken out by a fox or a hawk <laughs> or a coyote or anything like that. Um, so that was a big life lesson. No kidding. <laughs> What's um? How was your relationship with Jesse through all this? Like, did you guys have any like big, like, why the hell are we doing this moments? Or did, did it kind of bring you closer together? Uh, it's definitely brought us closer together. Um, in, in weird ways though, we, uh, ways that I wouldn't have anticipated. Um, one example is our finances. Um, oh. we, because we were both earning, uh, good salaries when we were both yeah. working full time. Um, and because we lived in a brand new house that didn't really require any, um, emergency, repairs or uh like right. as well and all of that stuff um we didn't we we really didn't talk about finances as much as we should have and then you okay from um earning half of what you're used to earning um and having a property that truly the amount of money we could put into this place is just endless there's so many things yeah. that we could do uh, it became important that we budget and we prioritize projects and um, we talk about our finances. We allocate where our funds are going. Um, so in that respect, our total our relationship has totally changed. Um, we have the tough conversations. I, I mean, yeah, I think most people are uncomfortable talking about money, but uh, totally. I really didn't recognize some of my triggers until we started having to sit down and hash this out. Um, but uh, through having those difficult conversations, I'm able to have other difficult conversations with him that otherwise I would have right. kept to myself and it would have brewed inside until yeah. I eventually erupt. And that happens less and less now. Um, That's do you guys ever have, or do you ever feel the whole you're bringing in the money? So I need to ask you, or have you guys kind of settled that out? You know what I'm, I mean? I'm really lucky in regards to the fact that uh, Jesse has never treated it that way. That's good. Um, so good. any yeah. of that really comes from myself. Um, yeah. I do struggle with not earning an income. I somehow, some days it's hard to recognize what my contribution is to the family. Um, yeah. 
but that is somewhere uh, and an aspect that Jesse is really good at um, highlighting everything I am doing that's yeah more beneficial to our family than him just earning an income is. Totally. It, it's just such a hard because like, as you know, and your, your whole life, you were kind of raised like money is everything. I'm going to, you know, be the CEO of a company one day and I'm going to climb this corporate ladder and then to change your mindset completely to be like, okay, we're in this as a family and we're doing this together. And I, my parts are just as I'm contributing just as much as he is. It's hard to change your mindset. Did you find that? Yeah. And really, um, a big part of it too, was, uh, I was so afraid of seeing, being seen as that I didn't have ambition or I wasn't, um, that I was choosing to be a stay at home mom because it was the easier thing to do as opposed to reality, which is this being a stay at home mom has been the hardest challenge I've, I've ever encountered in my entire life. Um, I don't know how you honestly like so earlier you were talking you're saying we have we're so lucky that we get to do this and all I can keep thinking is like I think I'm lucky I get to put my kids in daycare like it's just funny how different like tell me about like the challenges you faced having the kids at home because I it takes a special kind of person who can do that and I wish I was more like you. Well, yeah, yeah, you say that, but uh, (laughs) yes, the day to day is is very challenging. Um, And and this is it, like every family is going to have their own priorities, every person is going to have their own thing that brings them joy and happiness. Uh, And all for me was that it broke my heart every single day, sending my children to someone else. Um, Yeah. And, and that might be that may have been different if I was in a job or a profession that I felt was positively contributing to society, but that was not the case. Fair. For me. Um, okay. So being at home with the kids, uh, it, it's it's more challenging in the sense that at the end of the day, you don't get to see what you accomplished. This is a, yeah. a longer term thing here. My kids go to bed and I look around the house and you can't see what I've done on a yeah. day-to-day basis. It's not visible that I have cleaned up toys 400 times or that yeah. <laughs> I painted a collage for the seventh time or yeah. that's, that's not visible. Um, but when my children are adults and when I come to the end of my life, uh, I'll be able to reflect back and know that I got to spend the most amount of time at the most amount of quality time with my children. And that's what gives me peace. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. I've this whole, you know, coronavirus situation. I've been home for two weeks now with the kids and it's really nice to spend time with them. My problem is I'm also trying to work at the same time. So this is where I'm kind of finding myself so frustrated because they have so many needs and I feel bad for them. Like they're not used to being cooped up either. They're used to structure. They're used to learning. So I'm trying to provide a little bit of that. But at the same time, I have stuff I need to get done. Like I have work that needs to get done. I'm really struggling with the whole balance. I could see the appeal of you know, like watching your kids learn and Colton, he knows like so many uh, like reading type skills that I actually had no idea he knew. Like he just like goes to school every day and comes home and I haven't really been part of that. And now that I'm kind of more involved, I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool and satisfying to watch him learn, you know, so you get to do that hands on. And I think that's pretty awesome. It, it is. And that and that was part of why we moved out here as well, um, is that I don't actually have to set a curriculum, so to speak, about teaching my kids. We mm-hmm. go outside and the learning just 
happens. Um, yeah. So they stumble upon a bug in the garden and they want to know why this caterpillar only likes tomato plants and not other ones. And uh, we come across things outside in the woods and they want to learn how to dig it up and jump over it and climb. And um, yeah, so it's kids are inspiring in that way they are natural learners um yeah uh, this is something that gets me through the tough moments when I'm at home with the kids full-time is at the very least this is what I get to put a hundred percent of my time and energy into versus yourself who's a working mom who has to split her time and uh, arts go out to you guys especially in times like this where you're expected to have a full-time job and still accomplish all of that yeah care of your kids it's yeah it's killing me to be like not Kelly I I've kind of more accepted it this week than last but last week I also had my neighbor's nine-year-old here too so I had three of them and they all have needs we're all like new to this so they're all bugging me and we're not quite in a routine yet and I'm expected to get all this work done and I'm putting all this pressure on myself to get the same amount of work done that I would get done if I was at work and I had to just say you know what like I'm not it's not possible like these kids aren't in school. They're not in daycare. They need they need to be fed. They need to be engaged, all this stuff. So I've kind of had to just tell myself this week, this is our new normal. It's going to be a little bit different until this ends. It is hard. It's yeah. crazy. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. That's, yeah. uh, that's yeah. what gets me through the tough, the tough moments as well. Yeah. Like I think, um, especially as women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we've been told our whole lives that you can have it all, which I actually don't think is a reality. I think uh, something, if you want to have it all, you can't put a hundred percent of yourself into everything. So you're absolutely right. Sacrifices. So we as individuals have to decide what is worth sacrificing and what isn't. Um, And these were all questions that we were asking ourselves when we decided to make the move. Um, So we figured what we were currently doing wasn't working. Let's try something else. And if that doesn't work, we'll adjust accordingly. Um, But uh, I mean, being a stay at home mom and coming from a a corporate world, it it is tough. You think that um, you're not achieving, you're not accomplishing when in reality, um, it's just, you have to zoom out a little bit more to see what you're accomplishing. I like the way that you were that, like, you're not going to see every single day what you've accomplished where you would with a real job, you know, like, oh, I've done this many tasks and I've got this much done, but you're absolutely right. Like long-term and zoom out is a good way to put it. Like you're going to know your kids are definitely going to benefit from this and they're going to have different kinds of skills. Okay. Well, uh, I wanted to ask kind of, do you feel kind of isolated from adult interaction or like how often do you get to see your friends or how does that side of things work? Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because um, when we lived in Calgary, part of what was bringing us back home was how isolated I felt from my family. Okay. In Calgary. Um, And yet moving to where we've moved Oftentimes, I feel more isolated here than I ever did living in Calgary. I had a great network yeah. of people in Calgary, you being one of them. Um, yeah. I had many meaningful relationships that I built while I was there. Uh, and then you guys were also in the same life stage as me. So yeah. I 
I move here and all of a sudden I, while I'm closer to friends I have here, I don't get to see them on a daily basis. Um, while I'm closer to family here, we're also still not close enough that they can just pop over right. to watch kids while I go do a grocery shop. Um, so yeah, there are many moments that I'm like, what was the purpose to moving here? Because I feel more isolated <laughs> now than I ever did before. Um, yeah. But then reality clicks back in and I recognize that I've seen my family more in the past year here than I did the whole time I lived in Calgary. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Pool has actually been a wonderful community. We lucked out huge. Uh, they have a great community support. They do tons of activities that are focused on young families and young children and um, oh good yes and in my times of need where I'm feeling incredibly isolated where I feel like all I'm doing is talking to children and not having any I reach out to one of my friends and we set up a play date um, or I take the kids to the weekend uh, for a weekend to the cottage with my parents um, perfect so yes, so it's uh, it's learning to recognize why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and how to pull myself out of it. Um, that's uh, that's how I get around the isolation for sure. Yeah, that's it's good. And having technology, I'm sure helps. You know, like if this was 20 years ago, you wouldn't be able to just hop on FaceTime or you know talk to your friends or family. But now it's pretty easy to keep in touch with people, like with email or even text messages. So at least you're not yeah. completely alone. Yeah. And then even just learning about community events um, through social media and everything. I I mean, half the things I learn about are are through social media on what's happening in our hometown. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you find that you and Jesse kind of lean on each other more because you're just together more often? Yeah. I feel bad for the guy sometimes um, (laughs) because he doesn't even know what's about to hit him when he walks through the door. Um, (laughs) But uh, we are extreme opposites. I am a highly emotional person and he is highly logical. Um, And because we're kind of a yin and yang to each other, we've brought out the opposite. So um, he's learned very well how to handle my uh, mood swings and when I need a little (laughs) support. And I've done a better job of of asking for it um, as well. So uh, that's another way our relationship has has changed is um, I can verbalize my emotional needs so that he can meet them more readily uh, without having to read between the lines. That That's so important. Like communication is key in any kind of relationship, right? Like whether it's a marriage or even a friendship, like we always kind of forget that people aren't mind readers. So it's kind of like, no, like you have to if you're needing something from your husband or your friend or your mom, like you got to just verbalize it. It's very important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always get in this mindset of, uh, well, actually what my, my programming is, is, is to immediately be like, he's, we've been together for over a decade. How can he not see that I'm struggling right now versus, yeah. uh, I'm struggling right now. He doesn't know how I'm feeling. And if I just say it, I'm going to get what I need instead of just being at odds with each other for days on yeah. end. 
Um, I know. And then it's, I shouldn't have to say it. He should just know. It's like, no, like, I don't want people to treat me that way. So like, if I'm annoying somebody or if I'm upsetting somebody in some way, like, I'm not doing it on purpose. So I might need you to give me a little hint or, hey, the way you're behaving makes me feel this way. Like, so I have to do that for people as well. Yeah, yeah. Or um, uh, Brene Brown, actually, I've, I've stolen one of her tools, which is to frame conversations in the story I'm telling myself is ah. uh, this is entire like um I didn't want it to come across as you're doing something wrong it's more yeah. when you say this the story I tell myself is this is I'm what you're thinking of, yeah, yeah framing it up to match what I'm already feeling. Um, so it's yeah. not that you're doing something wrong. It's this is how I'm perceiving your words yeah. and your actions. And it allows for the communication to be more fluid um, and resolve your issues as opposed to just trying to defend why you said what you said and yeah. who was right. That becomes yeah. irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, Karsten and I actually got into it a little bit this week because he he had been going to work last week and then this week he decided because he was working in an empty house and he felt comfortable. But then this week he was at a job site with some people and he was like, you know what, like the whole world is shutting down. I shouldn't be out and about. So he came home and I was like, great, he's going to help me out with the kids. Well, it didn't really feel that way. Like somehow I was still making lunch for them. Somehow I was still like breaking up fights. Somehow I was still super distracted. So after the second day of this, I was kind of like, okay, like what's going on here? Like these kids need structure. They're still in their pajamas. Like, why is this not something that you're just doing? Like I was starting to get really pissed off at him. And he's just like, like he had his little like, well, why do I have to do it? Like, how come you get to work? And I, I'm like, what? So we got in this huge fight, but we ended up kind of having this like very grown up. It felt like discussion about, you know, the way that I was feeling because like, it felt like he just like expected me to do everything. And then it turned out, no, I just put the pressure on myself. Like he would have made them lunch, but I got up and broke up the fight and then said, go wash your hands for lunch, you know, before he had a chance to, because we have different gauges on when it's time to do this and when it's time to do that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> I like, str I struggle because I'm like, you should be doing it this way. And he's like, well, I'm not going to come in the kitchen and start cooking them lunch when I know you're going to come in here anyways and be like, no, like I, I didn't want them to have sandwiches today. I was going to make them this. Like, you know, he's like, you always come in and like overstep me anyways. So if you're home, I just let you do it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't really think of that because I'm like sitting in my office yelling at the kids like, go put your like, take your pajamas off and get dressed. And he's like, I'm home, too. I could have had them do all of this stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. And I'm sitting here pissed off that he hasn't done it yet. But it's because I just take over and do it like it's this whole thing. And we just need to communicate about, you know, what the expectations are in this whole new normal. Oh, I'm, I'm very similar to you in regards to the control factor. I like things to be done a certain way. So it's a given yeah. scenario. It's one of those, if, if I need a reprieve or I need to take a step back, well, then I have to be okay with what Jesse's going to feed the kids, what, he, yeah. what activities he's going to do with them, when he makes them yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's all about... Uh, communication and making sure those yeah. channels stay open. Um, I like to use the word being emotionally sober as well. Oh, so, okay, so explain that. <laughs> there's some times where I'm just angry. And yeah. I know that no matter what he says or does, 
I just want to be angry. So maybe it's not going to be a very productive conversation. So learning to, so I, that's being emotionally drunk. Um, where I see. Yeah. Yeah. And is driving the conversation as opposed to coming to some sort of resolution being the driving factor behind the, the, the communication. So, uh, so then, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll take a little break until I'm emotionally yeah. sober and can speak about a topic without getting, uh, overwhelmed by the emotions. So that uh, makes so much sense. And I find sometimes like when I do decide, okay, like whatever this is, I'm pissed off at you for whatever reason, I'm not going to talk to you about it right now. Cause like either the kids are around or whatever, by the time we get around to talking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm actually not even mad. And like, I know you didn't mean to you know, make me feel this way. Like I just took it that way because I'm in the wrong mood, you know? And, and voicing that, like there's yeah, multiple instances in which Jesse will be like, are you okay? You seem okay. <laughs> or you don't seem okay. And I will respond with, you know what? I'm actually a little irritated right now, but I'm not sure if it's something that sh- I should legitimately be irritated about or if it's just the current circumstances. So yeah. Like, just leave it and we'll either discuss if it needs to or generally, like you said, more often than not, yeah. I, it's, it's like I needed a snack. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, and I, I find that it's, I like that I can recognize that in myself now because I've avoided so many fights that like, I don't know, six, seven years ago would have been fights. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, like, what was I doing? Like fighting over nothing, like with so many different people, not even just Karsten, like, you know, even just... You know, you're at work and you're pissed off about this because this person did this. And it's like, if you just stop and think about their intention, most people don't go through life trying to be assholes. Like, you know, it's if they're acting a certain way, there's got to be a reason behind it. I'm trying to think of more of that side of things now. No, giving giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that people are only their own experiences and traumas and that generally it has to do with you. <laughs> yeah, no, you're so right. Like I have definitely I really like that I see that in people cuz I'm going through my life a lot happier than I used to be. Instead right. of being like, "Oh my god, this person's out to get me and I can't believe they said that. Like how could they? They must really not like me and oh my god, they must think they're so much better than me." It's like, "No, mo- nothing has to do with me. The way people behave is not really often has anything to do with me." Absolutely. And then the more you understand that, the more you get freedom in your own life choices on how you want your life to be because you recognize that people are just people who have their own experiences and their own things that matter to them and theirs are not yours so yes you are able to kind of step out of this box of what success looks like or what happiness looks like from a general perspective and you can decide what that is for yourself uh, what that means for you. And it becomes less important what other people think of you. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many people thought we were crazy doing what we're <laughs> doing. But I have never been more fulfilled in my entire life. And that just keeps growing year over year. So yeah, uh, and I think, sorry, I was just gonna say, like, it's nice to like, stop giving a shit what people say. Because if you take everybody's advice, like everybody who's like, what, you're buying a farm, that's crazy. Don't do that then think of where you'd be you'd still be in Calgary, hating your job, like sending your kids to daycare, you know, like it's you, we can't listen to the naysayers. No. And it's also defining the people um, who make or want similar life um, yeah. choices 
preferences or lifestyles as yours. Uh, and, and so it's not necessarily not giving a shit about what anyone thinks. It's about yeah. the people who are irrelevant to yes. what you're trying to accomplish. So yeah. there's still people that I have in my life that I very much care about their opinion um, and and will take their advice um, into account when I'm making my decisions. And then there's yeah. other where it's like, uh, I love you dearly, but the life that you live is not the life that I want to live. Yes. And therefore your opinion is not as important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Else, so I totally agree with that. It's like finding the people who have similar lifestyles or life goals. It'd be like taking, you know, health advice from an obese person or taking financial advice from a bankrupt person. Like you need to find the people that have the lifestyle you want and you take advice from them. Right. You know and I mean? it's- and it's not even finding finding people who are going to say yes or applaud you for yeah. everything you do. It's totally it's finding the people that have the same values as you so that when they give you the constructive criticism, yeah. it's a spot check on, is yeah. this actually where I want to be? Is this actually yeah. what I want to do? Um, yeah. Should I handle the situation the way I'm handling it? Um, yeah. So. So that's it. It's it's finding the people that are going to support you on your journey, but also call you out in a positive way um, to make you a better version of yourself as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. That's awesome. Well, Chelsea, this was an amazing conversation. I think we should probably wrap it up because we're getting close to an hour here. <laughs> Sounds good. I love that you uh, offered to be on here. And I love that technology made it that we were able to do this. I think that this is probably one of the most interesting episodes I've had. So any Chelsea had a little bit of worry about coming on here. And I think like, honestly, this was so good. Oh, well, thank you, Amanda. It was very <laughs> easy to speak to. So this oh. was a great, great first experience for myself. Yay. Okay, well, we're gonna get our techno ta- like technology figured out. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Maybe we'll do a trio with Jamie. We'll get her on here too. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, hopefully this one we worked out all the glitches. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Isn't Chelsea awesome? She totally is. I really want to do a part two of that because after we got off the phone, I feel like I still had a ton of questions and she even reached out to me and was like, I think I forgot to talk about this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, ah, yeah, we're going to have to do a part two. So if anybody has questions about homesteading or that lifestyle, raising chickens, she told me she could go on for an hour about raising chickens. So if any of you guys request that, we can arrange it. Um, I don't know what else we could ask her, but I feel like there's a, there's a lot of good content there. So we'll likely have Chelsea on again because she has a lot of really interesting things going on in her life. And she just lives such a different lifestyle than most of us, especially me. Like I can't even imagine um, living on a farm and doing all that hard work. I'm just like, oh my God, I have to go to the gym. Like that's how I get my exercise. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a different lifestyle and I think it's awesome. So um, yeah leave a rating review, all that stuff. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks.